Hello Ambush, we are here with Electric Religious who is just coming off of the heels of releasing his sophomore EP, Tragic Lover. A little bit about Electric Religious before we jump into things. He is a Métis guitar player and he is one heck of a guitar player at that super smooth on the strings and also ooh, on the vocal cords on the ears as well he has garnered himself some award nominations for his work as an artist and also for some music videos as well and we're going to be jumping into a little bit of the road with electric religious here today how is it going er it's going really well, Colton. How are you? Ooh, I'm doing a fantastic, a bright, sunny day, so I cannot complain myself. Exactly, yeah. Over here in Edmonton, Alberta, it's really sunny as well. It's beautiful. Ooh, ooh a little bit of West Coast love. The sun is shining down on both of us, which, gotta got love it. I think that's good vibes for the conversation. Oh, hell yeah. This conversation on my end, this conversation on my end is solar-powered. Ooh, oh my goodness. Ooh, I'm not, I'm not that, I'm not that set up. I'm in an apartment building, but maybe one day (laughs) we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll be living off of the nature eventually. Right. (laughs) All right. All right. Of course, we aren't here to specifically talk about that. Like I mentioned, we're here to talk about tragic lover and I would love to dive into that. But of course I want to set a little bit of a foundation a little bit of what leads us here to this moment. And of course, you released your debut EP album, Yeah, Yeah, No, back in 2018. So a little bit of a three-year timeline in between here. So when exactly did this new album begin to take shape? And exactly what sort of energy were you trying to capture inside of Tragic Lover, you would say, as compared to Yeah, Yeah, No? Well, um, Tragic Lover actually started in 2019 with um, the, the the lyrics, at least. But at that time, I didn't really know that it was going to be an album. I thought maybe I would just—I was just writing down my thoughts. I was coming off like the worst year of my life, if we're being honest. <laughs> and uh, and so I was writing down my thoughts, and I was just using that as an exercise to sort of deal with some things. And uh, as uh, indie artists were always looking for funding. And so I was writing grants. I was, you know, still trying to get the funding to, to hopefully make a new record again someday. And, uh, with, with luck, we got a couple grants from the Edmonton arts council and the Alberta foundation for the arts. And so finally I had the impetus to really start putting a record together. And so, um, using that time that I had spent putting all my thoughts down on paper and then um, working with producer Brad Simons out in Velveteen Music here in Edmonton, um, we were able to sort of put together the words and the music um, pretty seamlessly because we just have, we have such, we, we have so much in common musically, uh, me and Brad. And, uh, and so it was a pleasure to work with him on, on this record and collaborate with everybody, the team over at Velveteen Music. And as, as opposed to, the differences between um, Yeah, Yeah, No and Tragic Lover. Well, first of all, not every song is about a girl. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yeah, No is heavily influenced by, uh, by relationships and, and, uh, and, you know, lost love and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Tragic Lover is more, 
Um, it's, it's sort of more meant as like a healing practice and whether that be like a proverbial bruised knee on your soul or a huge gaping wound in in your soul, it's sort of, uh, a rem- each song is a reminder to me that, uh, you know, I'm still here. I'm still living life. And I've got, even though I've got a long ways to go, things are, things are looking up. Things are, things are much better. Wow. Okay. So using the healing power of music, because you mentioned you were going through one of the toughest times of your life. And sometimes rock bottom can be a beautiful place to get back on your feet, right? Hell yeah. It was, um, it was much needed. Um, and my life has taken a crazy different turn than what it was going down. And so I'm happy for that and, and, and super inspired lately and happy and my mindset's all good. And yeah, things are great. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, I am uh, super glad to hear that as well, because it means we get to connect and talk about some beautiful music. So uh, very thankful for that happening for you, my friend. Same here. I <laughs> uh, can imagine. And you mentioned being able to work with a uh, Juno nominated, a Juno like I believe winning producer there as well. So what was that experience sort of like? You mentioned that you connect it very well. What were sort of some of the things that he was able to unlock with you inside of the studio? Um, yeah, uh, Brad is an amazing and very talented musician in his own right, um, not just a producer and engineer. Um, so we really, we really got each other every time that we were talking about different production elements, different um, sonic ideas, we were able to just speak very, um, very candidly and have it fall on ears that were receptive. And any idea that I had or any idea that he had, we fleshed it out and we, we made sure that we had tried it so that we could say, we like this or we, or we don't like this. Um, but it was a lot of, for me, it was a lot of the um, production elements. It's, it's something that I, I, really love and I try to I'm trying to get better at but somebody like Brad who's who's just a master at um creating these ethereal textures and this ambiance sort of behind the bed uh tracks of the acoustic instruments or electric guitars or what have you um he he's just a master at creating those these these beautiful textures and the team um the entire team of producers at Velveteen Music kind of got all their hands in the pie and uh, and so many cool ideas came out of them having collaborated on this record. And so super, super happy that we worked together. Mm. So a few different energies being collective inside of this healing energy with Tragic Lover then. Yeah, absolutely. Collaboration was a huge thing, but not so much like collaborating for the sole purpose of me designing. Does that make any sense? Like, yeah. Like for me, being the the the, the songwriter, um, a lot of the times it, collaboration might just be like, okay, we're collaborating so that I can eventually come up with an idea. I just said, here you go, <laughs> come up with an come up with ideas, and um, put hundred percent of my trust in their creative abilities. And they really, everybody involved, from um, the drum the drummer and the bass player Luke and Reed, um, to the background vocalists. And uh, all the production aspects of, of the producers of the team at Velveteen, everybody was given a hundred percent sort of creative control to to really do what they wanted. 
And uh, yeah, that's what I love most about this record is the collaborative nature, I think. Hmm. And it's also wonderful because when you can trust the people that you're working with as well, it sort of allows you to focus on other things as well, rather than trying to have to worry about some of these aspects. And are they capturing exactly what you're trying to put into your own music, whereas you already know where it's like, I can let these people do their magic. I'm going to go do my magic. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think, um, I think when any, but when any team collaborates, it's when it's like, you know, two heads are better than one, three heads are better than one, so on and so forth. So when any team collaborates, I think you're bound to uh, get a better result than if you were doing it on your own, I think. Absolutely. All right. So let's dive into some of these healing energies, some of these songs that come our way. And of course, our first taste of a tragic lover came to us in February here in 2021 with a Catherine. So what exactly was the healing that came to you within Catherine? Uh, so Catherine is actually about a historical 17th century Mohawk woman. Okay. Oh. Her name is actually Gaderi Degaguita, and uh, that translates to Catherine Takakwitha in English. So Gaderi um, was actually just sort of like your normal laywoman working around the longhouses. And uh, she actually had really bad scarring on her face. And so she was quite, uh, quite a sight. <laughs> um, she's also the um, character in part one of Leonard Cohen's book, Beautiful Losers. He actually writes about her um, from the perspective of somebody who's like deeply in love with her. And, um, Actually, earlier in the, well, 2010s, I believe 2012, she was actually canonized by a saint, as, as a saint, by the Roman Catholic Church, um, because apparently when she passed away, all of her scarring and all, all of the disfiguration of her face just went away. And so, like, it was a miracle, apparently. And uh, so I wrote this song because of the dichotomy between an indigenous person being a Catholic saint. I think that was, um, I think that's just a really interesting, like she was the very first indigenous saint. Um, and so I just found it really interesting. You know what I mean? Like reading Leonard Cohen's book and just understanding that she was canonized by the Roman Catholic church. And I grew up Catholic. I went to school, um, for like kindergarten to grade 12 Catholic. And as an indigenous person going to a Catholic school for that many years, there's also a dichotomy within myself. And so just the two put together like that was, uh, was an interesting uh, thought process, an interesting uh, thought experiment. Wow. So sort of an, somebody, an interesting story as well, but sort of somebody that just because of your own experience, you sort of connect to just through that. Exactly. And the connection being that um, when my, as a Métis person, my family heritage is Cree and Scottish and some French. Um, but when my Scottish ancestors came to North America, they passed through the New York um, region, um, the Haudenosaunee and the Kenyan Kahaka of um, the Mohawk, or the Haudenosaunee Federation, the Iroquois Federation. They passed through that area. 
And I'm not saying that I have any Mohawk relatives, but I very, very well could have um, because of the just the slow movement of, you know, immigration to the prairies. And so I was just learning more about Haudenosaunee and Mohawk um, culture when I when I found Kadeti Digaguita and just looked more into who she was and uh, what made her special. And, and then the book Beautiful Losers kind of all tied it together. And it gave me the framework of, of this perspective of being sort of in love with my, um, with all my relations with my ancestors and, and my culture. Mm-hmm. And also just goes to show you that scars can be beautiful as well in the way that Leonard Cohen puts it. Absolutely. And it's a very interesting perspective for some, for, for a Canadian poet um, to just expound on his love for a 17th century Indigenous person. It's a really interesting perspective. Incredibly, for sure. All right. And I would love to dive into the music video for this track as well. So how did, what was the uh, energy and what was the story that you were sort of trying to tell there with this car driving through a desert type of environment? Yeah, um, so the director, Jarvis Grenier from Hot Shots Films, um, he, he came up with the screenplay for the music video, and it was, a, it was um, based on the lyrics of um, Catherine sort of being all around this sort of ghostly figure that sort of transforms into everybody that, uh, that this person sees, and that person being me. And so, like, you see me driving past a hitchhiker, and that's Catherine. You see me driving past a mechanic fixing a car on the side of the road who's Catherine. Uh, eventually, um, I see somebody on stage performing with my band and they're Catherine. And uh, so that was sort of this like all this all encompassing feeling of, of, of being in love with somebody where you see them, you see something or you, yeah, you see them everywhere in things. Do you know what I mean? Like everything reminds you of them. And so that was sort of the, the main concept behind it. And then, uh, yeah, at the end of the video, I sort of just go into my own home and, and, and there's Catherine. She's there all along. So <laughs> waiting for you all along. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> A loving embrace. <laughs> of course. Awesome. And our latest taste, of course, before the album released, which was recently, our most recent single, the third track off of this album, came to us on August 17th with a Paralyzed. So what sort of was the uh, change up here? Because you said with Catherine, it was more of a story. So what are we capturing here with Paralyzed? Well, Paralyzed is sort of like just owning up to your own bad luck, um, whether that be because of some mistakes you've made and, you know, the bad luck is in the form of consequences or it's just true, you know, deep down, nothing's going right sort of bad luck. Um, it's kind of just owning that feeling. Cause like a lot of the times when, when we end up maybe having reactions that we didn't expect, or maybe that uh, we're not um, dealing with things in, in certain ways. It's kind of because I think because we try to push those emotions and those feelings aside and we end up showing emotions and feelings that we aren't actually feeling like, and, and if we're sad and we show anger, you know what I mean? Instead of saying, I'm really sad. Um, 
you know, I might need some space. We, we might get angry. And so like owning up to those, those feelings, those negative feelings and, and pushing through, um, and like the song has a lot to do with addiction and, um, and, and dealing with that and like, you know, the consequences sometimes because of your addiction. And it's just really owning up to those negative, sometimes negative feelings, um, and saying to yourself, you know, like I might be down in the mire and dirty in the mud. I'm, I'm paralyzed by my own bad luck, but you know, I'm singing about it. And so I can't, it can't be all, can't be all bad because we're, we're heading out, <laughs> heading out of that feeling. Mm-hmm. And then sort of just realizing where you say, like, rather than lashing out with anger, just realizing like how to express your being sad. So also just like not allowing your emotions to control you sort of a type thing as well and sort of just growing as a human being. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, um, modern indigenous people, (laughs) we, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of frustration um, and it often results in anger and lashing out in, in unhealthy ways. Um, There's tons of addiction and tons of um, just general, societal pressure on indigenous people. And so sometimes that can manifest in, in, in different ways. Um, but by owning, by owning your feelings and owning your bad luck, um, it's, it's kind of the first step forward into healing yourself so that we can, you know, move further with reconciliation. Mm-hmm. As we should. And healing takes time but it also takes progress and effort and it's a beautiful process once you finally do reach that destination huge amounts of effort for sure absolutely it's got to work together you're not alone and you just got to put in that time that effort know that take each day as it comes and do your best yeah well said i think that's exactly it um and paralyzed even though the subject matter of the lyrics is maybe a little bit of a downer i think the, I think the overall um, vibe within the greater context of the album um, brings it up into a better light, I believe. And, and it does take, I, I, it does take viewing this album as sort of a whole in order to understand all the little bits and pieces. Um, yeah, it's like every, every little song in this, in this album is sort of like a, it's almost its own character or its own scene or its own story that forms this picture. And uh, I used, I like to use the analogy of like an iceberg where it's like, you only see the tip of the iceberg and there's likely just a massive amount of ice below the surface that you don't see. And so tragic lover being like the tip of the iceberg in sort of a way where it's like, you have to look at each song as a, a modern urban indigenous person going through life and each little story or each little experience is sort of just like from that perspective of like, how does this modern indigenous person deal with uh, loss of language, deal with um, addictions, deal with all of these things that are a result truly of intergenerational trauma, how, how, how um, exact and how subtle those effects can be. Um, that's the, that's the huge, that's the tip of the iceberg with all indigenous people. 
Um, every single person is, it, well, any person ever in general, any culture, any, everybody is just the tip of their own iceberg. What we see is just so, and what we know is just so little <laughs> about that person. And so that's, that's a little bit of an aside, a little bit of an overarching concept of this record, but, but nonetheless, that's, uh, it, it begs, it's worth mentioning. Absolutely. For sure. So you mentioned this collection of stories and of healing energy. So now that it is released, because the full EP came out on September 24th, just about exactly a week ago from the recording of this album. So having it been out for a week, how does that feel? And what has the reception been like to this new era of electric religious? Yeah, uh, the reception's been great. Um, super thankful for all the support and people purchasing the record and and adding the record to their playlists and um, for all the the radio stations that have picked it up and added it to their rotation. It's just incredible. Um, we're sitting at number seventeen right now on the CKUA Top Thirty charts, and uh, we're charting on several stations down in the states right now, and we're in the medium to heavy rotation on some pretty big ones down there. And so um, huge thanks to Planetary Group um, for tracking the album down in the States and Anti-Skeptic Entertainment for tracking it up here in Canada. And I uh, couldn't have done it without my PR team with Susan Bussey PR. And so I'm like really, really proud of the reception and how people are sort of giving it a listen and saying, oh, this is a great record and giving it another listen and being like, oh man, I'm starting to... I'm starting to understand a little bit more about this, you know, these, these stories and some people are listening to it, you know, three or four times and, and then reaching out and saying, you know, um, there, there's so many, there's so many, so many modes of expression on this record. Like I, I made sure because as a guitar player, um, there are certain things that I can convey certain emotions, certain, um, textures that you can convey and create that I can do on my guitar that I can't quite do with words. And so I made sure to leave myself enough space to, to, to speak with my other voice and not just my speaking voice or singing voice. And so I think a lot of people are latching onto that too. They're understanding that, um, that those moments are just about pure emotive expression. And, uh, like for example, track six, um, is titled half breed, and that's you know a lot of people view that as a negative term towards Métis people or, or mixed race people. Excuse me, but um, but my my relative Maria Campbell, um, she wrote a book called Half Breed. She reclaimed that word under her pen in the seventies by writing an autobiographical type story, just sort of outlining the the trials and tribulations of her life as an Indigenous person and there there's nothing you can either be offended by the word half breed or you can be proud as a half breed and uh, that's some that's sort of the stance that i take is i i'm a i'm proud because my relative already reclaimed that word for for me by writing her book and so i just basically did you know a two and a half minute musical prayer a musical um just um emotion dump if you will <laughs> with that song and so yeah it's like i made sure to give myself enough space to 
to put my whole heart and soul into the record. And I think, I think people are, 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 people notice that when they listen. Fantastic. I love it. I definitely notice it as well. And I have had a fantastic time chatting about this record so far. I have one last question. Are you ready for it? I am. All right. So we have discussed the creation of this album, your reconnection to your roots, going through some healing energy, recovering from one of the worst times, one of the worst years of your life, and then putting it into song, crafting, and healing. So what I would like to know outside of what we've already discussed is through this time, how has it helped you grow as a person, or what has it taught you about yourself? Yeah, I think um, it helped me grow out of some pretty deep-seated thought patterns, and just in terms of like... um just self-conscious stuff um like like i was speaking i was talking earlier about um like those emotions that first come up and the emotions that you're actually first feeling like for me a lot of the times it was like the emotions that would come out were frustration and anger but what i actually was feeling was hurt and sad and so being you know a bit more humble and saying to yourself you know like be honest with your emotions that you're feeling um, and don't try to hide them because what ends up happening is you end up acting in such a way that you don't truly feel. And so I learned really, I learned pretty quickly that my emotions needed to be honored. My emotions needed to be, um, I needed to tell the truth with my emotions. And so that th- this record and everything that happened from 2018 to now has sort of just been concentrating on being more humble and uh, you know, practicing humility and, and trying to stay a bit more quiet um, and reflect and, you know, think before I speak and all that kind of, all the simple things that your parents try to teach you <laughs> when you're a kid that we don't quite understand fully until we're adults. And I think, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just finally grew up um, over the, these last three years or so, but uh, yeah, um, writing this record was a true healing experience. And so, I'm just happy that, you know, some healing actually came of it, to be honest. Awesome. Well, I am very happy of that as well. And I thank you for sharing not only this lesson, but the story of this new album, A Tragic Lover, here with us today on the Desert Tiger Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, Am Bush, thank you for tuning on into this episode of the Desert Tiger Podcast here with me, your host, Colton G, as well as our guest who joined us here today, Electric Religious. And you can find Electric Religious's new EP that we discussed here today, Tragic Lover, in its entirety over on your favorite music streaming service. When you're there, go ahead and hit follow. And you better go ahead and follow Electric Religious over on social media as well so you don't miss out when new music comes your way. Oh, yay. Yes, and with that, it's time to give Electric Religious a one final DTP roar for joining us here today. We need to thank Susan Abbasi for going ahead and setting this interview up. We need to thank German from YPEditor.com 
making everything sound so good. And one last time, we need to thank you, the Am Bush, for tuning on into this episode. If you have yet to join with the Am, it's as easy as subscribing to the podcast on the podcast listening app or service that you're using right now. You can also help us grow by sharing this episode, giving us a five-star review, and by heading on over to deserttigermerch.com where you go to copy yourself something to represent and support the show. And the best part is, looking is free. It's deserttigermerch.com. With that, it's about time that we say our bye-byes, but not before I tell you to go out there and find your roar. And then, you know what I want you to do with it? Let it out into the wild and let them know. And until next time, ambush. Bye-bye. The Desert Tiger Podcast.